Hey, you Pickers. Welcome to episode 14 of our podcast, Pickleball Therapy, where we focus on pickleball improvement and making you the best pickleball player that you can be. In this episode, we're going to continue our interview with Coach Pete, Dr. Peter Scales. We're going to talk about creating new habits for your mental and emotional game. We're going to talk about what it means to put the miles in. You're going to really like that part, I think. We're going to talk about setting reasonable expectations for outcomes when you're out on the court, understanding the importance of fundamentals when you play, applying the right pressure in your game, having a game plan, and how to train. A lot of content in today's podcast. Let's get into it. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball, but how? Now it's easy. Pick up a copy of Play Pickleball, A Beginner's Guide. It's the most complete guide to playing pickleball. Available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at Amazon. Let's keep growing the sport. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. First, I highly recommend that you check out Coach Pete's book, Mental and Emotional Training, Compete, Learn, Honor. It's an excellent book. It's available on Amazon, and I'll link to it below. This Saturday, October 17th, we're having a fantastic workshop in the Intubigal Academy. We're fortunate to have Catherine and Athena with us as our guest pros. We're going to be talking about smart aggression. They're going to share with us some of their, you know, how they view the game, how they see the game. They're two of the best minds of the modern pickleball game. So you're going to learn how pickleball is evolving and how pickleball is viewed currently. In other words, what the best techniques are currently in pickleball. It particularly focused on aggression, smart aggression, knowing when and how to attack. We're holding two sessions of the workshop. They're each independent session. So you sign up for one or the other. One is 1 to 2.30 and one is 3 to 4.30, Saturday, October 17th. If you can check out more at intopickle.com, I'll link below to the registration site. Join us for the workshop. One last note of housekeeping is that we're forming some classes right now and workshops for the Into Pickle Academy. It's a fantastic way to learn. If you want to learn more about the Into Pickle Academy, you can go to intopickle.com. Remember, it's in the number two, pickle.com. Hope to see you in class. Let's jump back into the interview with Coach Pete. If you haven't heard the prior episodes, highly recommend you go back and listen to those. A lot of good information in there for you, help you as a pickleball player, and more importantly, as a human being. Let's jump right into it. All of the habits that I talk about in, in my book of mental and emotional strengthening are important, but the two that are, I call them non-negotiables, are love the game more than how you perform and lose yourself. Humility allows you to learn. And the, the reason, for, for example, the reason why we choke, okay, is at that moment, we have focused on ourselves and the outcome. And we haven't lost our self. We haven't been um, loving the game at that moment more than how we perform. We've been focused on ourself and how we're performing. And that's what the source of choking is. If you're, if you're loving the game and losing yourself and focused in the here and now, and right now, this stroke, making clean contact, flowing, being balanced, guess what? You know, you're less likely to choke because you're not thinking about all those things that are out of your control. You're just enjoying the instinctive movement and flow of whatever's happening on the court. You're accepting being in that flow, just like you're surfing a wave. And that's when, you know, that, that's a peak moment of performance out on the court, no matter what the result of that point is. It's a peak moment of experience when you can have that. 
So yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do with all these habits. And I, and I want to stress habit um, because I think there's, a, there's a, a difference between a tip and a habit. I think you alluded to this earlier when you, you know, talking about 10,000 repetitions. Um, yeah, the reason the pros are good is you know, they do this stuff endlessly. That's one of the reasons they're, they're so good. Um, and, and we don't usually do it endlessly, endless reps. But that's, but that's the whole point. I have players who, you know, well, I already know how to serve. Well, okay, if, if, you, if you mean you can get the ball over the net, and start a point, okay, then you know how to serve. But pinpoint it with whatever spin, whatever angle, at whatever moment of pressure, eh, probably you need some work. We all do. So you're, you're not simply trying something once or twice and I have it or I don't have it. You're trying to create new habits. And for the mental and emotional way you approach the game, however you approach the, the game right now, is the product of all your years of life. You know, not just your years in pickleball or tennis, it's your whole life. This is how you deal with adversity. This is how you deal with challenge. You've created habits that come out on the court for better or for worse. If you wanna create new habits, the good news is it doesn't take your whole next life <laughs> to overcome those, but it does take work. It takes hours, it takes reps. And the way I put this, and my players hate this, but and it's an awful pun. But I say, look, I talked to them about the, the myelin around the axons in our brain, the fatty sheathing uh, around the nerve endings in the brain that help brain signals travel faster, right? The more myelin, M-Y-E-L-I-N, that we have around those, it, the more quickly it conducts the electrical signals. And what that means is the more practice you have, that builds up that myelin of repetition of movement, repetition of a, a between points routine, mentally and physically, then the faster this, those signals travel in a match, the more automatic it becomes not conscious. So I say, look, you got to put the miles in, put the mile in. And they hate it. And I've never apologized for it if they remember it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a habit we're trying to create. So all of this is, yes, to, to get in that moment of gratitude and thankfulness and being in the present and, and it being a victory just to be out there and playing a game that you love, that you have the privilege. And, and if you're in a tournament, the pressure being such a privilege that you're in this moment um, and you'll play your best if you understand that what you're trying to do is develop new habits and put the miles in so you get that mile in. And I think it also helps. Doesn't it help also maybe give you or contextualize uh, or give you more reasonable expectations, I would say, because, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, pickleball players and, and players who listen to this podcast, uh, you know, they they are, you know, they're not uh, either professional athletes or or, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, in high school or in college where they have, you know, these long term training regimens, you know, with coaches and and folks yeah. helping them every day. So, you know, some of them, I always I recommend, you know, some drilling, some practice, you know, as part of your, your weekly routine. Uh, but, you know, the reality is even if they, you know, were to practice a, a reasonable, what we would consider a reasonable amount, it's still, you know, not going to be, you know, 15 hours a week or something like that. So, you know, I think it's fair to, to understand the kind of the flip side of it, which is, and I don't mean it as a negative, but I mean it just 
so you understand your reality is, you know, if you, if you, if you haven't had time to, you know, to hit 10,000 forehand dinks, right? Like Lee hit, um, because mm-hmm. your, your life doesn't, you know, it's just not part of your life plan, you know, just not something you do. Um, that's fine. But then what you can't do is go out and play a tournament and then be upset because you don't dink as well as Lee Waters dinks, because that's just unreasonable. So I think, I think, again, it's not a criticism that you didn't do the 10,000 dinks. That's perfectly fine, you know, to play pickleball without hitting 10,000 dinks first. But if you didn't hit 10,000 dinks, don't expect a, a, you know, a dink consistency during a tournament that is, that, that would have come out of hitting 10,000 dinks. So, you know, kind of, and that I think helps give, um, Again, a more reasonable expectation allows you to not get down on yourself when you miss a dink. It's like, okay, I I missed a dink because that's where I'm at right now in the game, and that's perfectly fine. You know, so yeah, and and you know, again, it's the constant applying constantly this lens of um, what am I working on? What am I learning? You know, um, in in a match that's getting away from you, you know. Um, you know, it, it sometimes helps to reframe what's going on as, okay, what am I working on right now? And for this point in the match, you know, um, I'm working on being quicker to the no volley zone because I haven't, I've been pretty slow. So uh, that's what I'm working on. And that's my focus right now, because you can't in the same sense that you, until they put a three point line, on the pickleball court and tennis court, one shot doesn't ever equal three points. Um, you, 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 can't, you can't correct everything that might be going wrong in a match at once. It's the same. Uh, it's analogous to when a player comes to us as coaches. Um, inexperienced coaches try and work on everything that they see wrong. Okay. <laughs> There's lots to see wrong. Yep. Experienced coaches focus on the one thing that is the fundamental uh, issue that is helping to cause a lot of the other issues that you're able to see. So in the same way, in, in mid-match correction, um, you can't fix everything that you're dissatisfied with about your play or your team's play. So you got to pick one fundamental thing that if you, if you start making progress on that, can kind of, you know, like a house of cards, affect all the other things. And movement is often you know, and positioning often one of those things, it's not really about how you hit that particular shot. It's that you were in a lousy position, you were off balance, you were late, you were early, you know. Uh, so your movement is often, and your eyes, the issue rather than your hands, right? So pick something right. to focus on, and, but not everything. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we uh, and I, I love your use of the term fundamental because that's a term that we use all the time. And it's, you know, I when we use it, we use it the same way I believe you're using it, which is j- just its meaning, right? So it's just it's a fundamental thing. Like for instance, in pickleball, the one you mentioned, getting to the MVZ after return to serve, that's a fundamental part of the game. If if you're not getting to the MVZ after return to serve, that's a huge flaw in your game. And if you're losing games, it, it is probably because of that one thing that is fixable. You know, kind of a low hanging fruit and fixable, and it's a fundamental. Uh, part of the game that you have to fix but when we use that term as fundamental sometimes we get uh or oftentimes i would say um the reaction that we get is uh you know we'll put out a course saying you know pickleball fundamentals right three classes things like that and the reaction we get is well i'm not a beginner and we're like well that's not we're not saying beginner we're saying fundamentals but you know it's almost like there's a pushback to the 
term, but you know, the, the best players all understand that if they don't have sound fundamentals, um, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. You can have an ESPN level forehand, you know, roll volley that people, everybody wants. Right. But if you're standing in the wrong spot or not getting to the MBZ after return of serve, it's irrelevant, you know, at the end yeah. of the day. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. It's every sport. It's every sport. I mean, you know, I just saw an interview, um, with Nick Saban, right? The Alabama head football coach, six national championships and all that. And, and what, what is he focused on? Blocking and tackling. Yep. Absolutely. Fundamentals <laughs> block. If you don't block and tackle correctly, the rest of it is, you know, not going to help us. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. So, I mean, he, he uh, appreciates, I'm sure he appreciates the, uh, I can't say he appreciates cause I don't know him, but I'm sure he appreciates the, you know, athletic leaping wide receiver, one-handed grab corner end zone kind of a play. And that's nice, but he understands that's not how you win a game because that's, that's the blue moon, you know, the black swan or whatever you want to call it, you know, sort of event. He understands the game is one because the right tackle, you know, uh, blocked down when the right tackle is supposed to block down and didn't block, you know, out or away or whatever the opposite is. Right. So, you know, it, it's just, it, and that's how you win football games and, and you know i've been uh, kind of a, a you know uh, almost feel like i'm on a soapbox about this when i say it but you know i i tell players i'm like i don't i'm not trying to get you to win that rally or that point i want you to win the game and then i want you to win matches and then i want you to win tournaments and the way you do that is fundamentals not not the ernie not the atp nothing i don't have anything like you know against those shots but they're not what wins games you know, what wins games right. is, are you at the NVZ, you know, or not? You know, are you, are you, you know, letting four shots bounce and allowing the short team to come forward? I mean, very fundamental things that if you're, if you're not doing them properly, um, you know, you're just not going to be successful. Listen, you can have a good time playing as long as you have the right mental attitude, you're coming out with honor and things like that. That's perfectly fine. But, you know, your results will reflect the lack of fundamentals game in and game out. So anyway. Yeah, and and you know, mentally too, Tony. It it the focus on the on the fundamentals really helps because it simplifies. It's players over over complex everything uh, a lot of the time, um, and and coaches sometimes can can aid in that, as I mentioned, by you know constantly you know focusing on all of the issues they can see instead of the the. Good things that a player is doing, reinforcing those, and and focusing on you know one or two fundamental issues. So it, it it really helps mentally to know that in your practice, um, you really do need to focus on a few fundamental things that help everything else happen. Um, one of the things that that I help players work on, for example, is the fastest way to get quicker. Uh, with your feet is to see things earlier. So we work on tracking the ball from farther and farther away and understanding the cues that that opponent's giving you with how they're holding the paddle, where their body is positioned, where they are in the court, um, whether they're in balance or not. That tells you what kind of a shot they're likely to hit. And you can move more quickly if you see all that earlier, even if you never got faster in a hundred yard dash. Um, so 
So there are ways of focusing on fundamentals that, that actually make you a better competitor and, and, and simplify your mental life on the court when you're playing uh, because you're focusing on fewer things, on clean contact, on seeing the ball early and, and letting your feet move in relation to what you're seeing. Nice, clean contact, get to the no volley zone. Uh, and then be able to last in a rally uh, a little longer each time, build up your shot tolerance so that you can handle uh, some of those longer dink rallies that seem to go on forever and not be the one to try and end it with a winning shot on a ball that's well below the net. That's, that's a, that's poor shot selection at that point. Yeah. We say, we, we look at it, you know, the way I explain it is I say, you know, I want you to apply as much pressure as possible on your opponents. You know, given the situ- given the, the shot you're hitting, right? Apply as much pressure as you can to your opponents within a reasonable margin of error. And so, and and what's hard for sometimes for the students to wrap their heads around is, I say sometimes that's a a soft dink into the MVZ because if Absolutely. you if you've been slammed or stressed, that's the best shot you can hit, and and the most pressure you can put on your opponents there is simply to negate their shot and to reset the, 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 the rally. Right. So, you know, but, but the, the, but if you have a, a slam shot, right. If, if you, if you, if a 60 mile an hour put away is good enough, then that's what you hit. You don't need a hundred miles an hour if 60 is good enough. So you, you have to kind of learn how not to take unnecessary risks because I, and, and I wanted to, to touch on what you said earlier in a second about, you know, the, the last point versus the one point, because I think that's something that's just so, it, it almost it, it it seems very difficult for players to I'm going to use the term again wrap their arms around that concept right and to really embrace the idea that you know the end of a rally can be either a winner or a loser and they're not the same thing you know one team right. might lose a point and or or the other team might have won the point or the rally but the the, the, the it's almost like well if the if the if the rally ended in my favor then I won the rally and. Oftentimes, or as you noted earlier, uh, you know, well, more oftentimes, it's not that you won the rally; it's that you just hit a ball one more one more shot than the other team did, and the other team made an error. You know, and yeah. and and understanding that really changes how you approach. This is more of a, you know, I mean, it's mental too, but it's it's also a technical thing about how you approach, you know, the or game plan, right? So how you game plan it is, I'm just going to outlast my opponent. I'm not going to try and beat them. I'm just going to wall it, right? So, well, that's mental, though, Tony. I mean, True. you mentioned game plan. I mean, you know, having a game plan just in and of itself, a, is something you can control. B, is a mental habit. You know, do you actually have a game plan that is based on we're going to do our strengths or in singles my strength as often as possible, and we're going to attack probably what our opponent's weaknesses are. If you haven't met your opponents before, you can make guesses. And in warm-up in the first couple of points, you're going to see what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, enough to, to adjust your plan. But you got to have a plan. That's mental. And that, that helps you. Uh, and I should mention, you also have to have a plan B <laughs> right. and C. Right. You know, for, for what happens if you're a power hitter and your opponents are munching on that. They happen to love the fastball coming at them. Well, like you just said, you, you've got to be able to play the soft game. 
you know, even if that's not your first choice. And in coaching, obviously, we're trying to actually get them to play a soft game before the power game because <laughs> because the soft game is about controlling the ball and and real. I make this distinction to our players that anybody can be a tennis ball hitter. Anybody can be a pickleball hitter. Not everybody can be a good pickleball player right. or a good tennis player. You know, I want you guys to be players, not hitters. And to do that, that's about controlling the ball. It's about consistency. It's about placement. It's about depth and spin. And then, yeah, power, the last of the five. Power has its place. And the reality but, is, the reality is yeah. that if you come at it with the understanding that most rallies will end in a in a mistake or an error, right? Um, then that game plan or approach to the game, I think, makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Than if you think to yourself, "I must win the rally." Uh, yeah. because then that's when you start thinking, well, I need to be able to hit the ball 200 miles an hour, right? I need to be able to angle it off the court some, you know, really sexy ESPN three highlight shot, right? Um, as opposed to just saying, no, I, I'm going to outlast you. That's what I'm going to do. And understanding yeah. that that'll, that will probably end up with you prevailing in in the game, even if there's no ESPN walks away without any highlight reel. But you walk away with, with you know, with, with, and, and not just the victory, because obviously we're, what we're talking about here is that not being the focus, but you walk away understanding that you accomplished what you set out to do. You, you came out with a game plan, you, you executed that game plan. And then the, the result of that will be likely be, uh, because of how the game is ultimately resolved by errors, will likely be a victory as a byproduct, right? But, but you've accomplished what you set out to do during that, that, Match solving the puzzle is another concept that I really liked in, in your book. And it's a concept that, you know, we've been using, particularly when we talk about, we, I use it a little more narrowly. I, I like the way you use it, you know, just looking at the whole game as a, as a puzzle, but I use it to talk about like the, uh, the NVZ battle. So once you've, mm -hmm. you know, the serve return third, fourth or com completed, uh, everybody's up at the NVZ, then, you know, that basically, how do you solve that puzzle? And so, uh, you know, so you've come out there and you solve a bunch of puzzles, you know, successfully. Uh, some not, some yes, but but over the, over over a game, you will have solved more than than not. So anyway, and and, and I want to jump on that, Tony, to to add on to something that that you mentioned earlier about how you know most recreational players are not having the time to put in you know fifteen twenty hours of of really dedicated practice every week, um, but if you're playing. Um, practice matches. Okay. You're not playing, you know, for standings in a league, you're not playing in a tournament. You're playing with your pickleball buddies, your tennis buddies. Um, you can decide to make your match a practice by practicing those situations more often. It's not just having a game plan. It's having a, a, a plan. And again, this is a mental skill. For, for the predictable situations you'll find yourself in, okay? Um, you, you will find yourself down by several points, and you're the returning team. You'll find yourself up by several points, and you're the serving team. And you've got to have a plan for how you're going to address each of those situations for, like, as you said, all four are up, you know, right on that Novali zone line. Um, that's different than when it's one up and one back or one team has one up, one back, two up, two back. Uh, there's lots of different situations. You can play a match 
where you say, in this point, we're going we're gonna to work on this. Okay, we're going we're gonna to set it up so that this situation happens and we're going to work on it. And you can still keep score. But that also makes it very interesting because you're, you're, you're keeping score, which a lot of people have to have in order to get focused. Some of us don't. Um, some of us do. But you're, you're intentionally changing the rules and you're changing how you start. Um, you might say uh, you, can't win, you can't win a point unless it's preceded by at least a six-shot dink rally. You know? Right. Otherwise, you can't win this point. The point really starts after you've had a six. So you, you can set yourself into these situations that, that give you practice and is still competitive with a score, but that really put you in these situations. And, and by doing that, you're building up that mile in, right, of experience with these situations so that when you get in that situation in a match, you're not thinking as much. You're feeling as you're feeling more, you're playing more instinctively because you've rehearsed it to death, you know? Right. So that's all mental and emotional skill. That means you're going to be calmer and more patient when well, you're in that situation because you've rehearsed it. Agreed. Agreed. One thing that I, I recalled, I had a, a, a player that I was working with and the player just couldn't break the, the, the habit and I think it's a, it's a, it's a limiting habit, right? It can be of just every time the third shot was being hit, just running forward. So I told the player, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do the next, you know, however many rallies we're going to, when we're serving, we're going to wait to the seventh shot, no matter what, even if the third and the fifth were like beautiful shots that we would normally move in behind just to break the, the mentality of I'm going in, I'm going in. No, no, now you can't go anymore. Right. Cause it's the seventh. So nope. you can't. And so it, it created an, another kind of arbitrary metric, right. That, or, or, or measure that he had to follow. And then, and then that allowed him to break the third shot. And then after that, I was like, okay, now let's move up, you know, more calmly as, as we go, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I mean, that's exactly it. You're it, it's, it, it, it it's called create intentional pressure, creating intentional pressure um, so that you are, and that's what I do as a, as a team coach, right? In, in the team concept is create situations that increase the practice pressure to be more like a real match, you know, uh, where it quote unquote counts. Um, and, you know, most recreational players are not in a team situation. Uh, so it's harder. And, and most of the time they're playing without a coach. So it's harder. So you have to put yourself in those pressure situations uh, in order to practice your between points, rehearse it, set yourself up into these situations on purpose, create new rules of like, you know, you can't go in until the seventh. I, I mean, that's great. That's all of that stuff um, expands the number of possible situations that you can face in, in a match that you've already faced. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. I, I know what to do here. I've, I've done this lots before. And so you're, you're calmer, you're more clear. Um, you can, you can withstand losing a point better, um, because you're, you're just more prepared. Um, and that's, that's mentally and emotionally, um, part of it, even though a lot of it looks like it's a technical preparation, it's really preparing you mentally and emotionally as well. 
I hope this week's segment of our interview with Coach Pete has been helpful for you. I know it's been helping me a lot as I sort of continue on this journey through pickleball and through life, you know, trying to improve in both. Hope you can tune in next week where we continue our interview with Coach Pete. As always, if you like this podcast, please share it with others. If you like it, they probably will too. Good luck out there.